Good morning, everyone. I'm Daniel, and I get to take us into God's Word this morning. Would you pray with me as we get started? Heavenly Father, we are just thank, thankful for um, your presence with us today. And I just pray that you would raise our awareness of how close you are. And God, I think sometimes we have difficulty with that because we have never experienced a moment where you were not there. So it might sometimes just feel normal. Um, but scripture says that from the very moment we were conceived that you were knitting us together and that your presence fills the earth, that the whole earth is filled with your glory. And your word also says that when we gather together like this, you're even with us in a special way. So Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way today and that in your word, um, we would truly see and hear. God, that you would change us from the inside out. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So I just, I love that we're going through Luke. It's so fun. And it's, it's fun because, you know, I think every time that you read through a book of the Bible, you just see God's genius <laughs> in the way that he inspired these words to be written down, put in a specific order. And it really feels like, I don't, I don't know, hopefully it feels like this for you, but for me, it just like feels like walking with Jesus. Feels like being discipled by Jesus as we walk through and it's like, okay, and he's inspiring Luke as he's writing this stuff, you know, thousands of years ago. Hey, now write that. Now talk about this. Now we're going to talk about this. And so I just love that journey that we're on together. It's been so fun. And we're moving into Luke chapter 19. And it's fun today because we're getting into like one of the good old like top 10 Sunday school Bible stories, Zacchaeus. All right, and it's like, so I'm excited to get into it. I'm excited for what God has for us in this story. And so let's just jump in verses uh, one and two. And this is in Luke chapter 19. Also, if you ever need a Bible, we've got Bibles in the back. You can grab them on the way in. And if you actually need a Bible, like you don't own a Bible, you can always just take one of those. And it's our gift to you. You can have that anytime. Or if you have a friend that you want to give a Bible to, take one. Um, so verses one and two, Luke chapter 19. He, Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. So two characters, Jesus, Zacchaeus, kind of the main focus of what we're going to read today. This is a short 10 verses. Um, so we get some information about Zacchaeus. Obviously, we've been getting to know Jesus the whole time through Luke up to this point. We get some information about Jesus or about Zacchaeus that he's a rich man. And probably just 20 verses ago, and I know we kind of on Sundays, we kind of break this up into smaller chunks and try to digest it. But if you're just reading through the book of Luke, literally 20 verses ago, you just read about the rich young ruler. So Jesus is now encountering another rich person. And remember, he, Jesus has just said, hey, it's, it's harder for a camel or it's harder for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And so you're kind of like, all right, let's see how this goes. Uh, probably not well, because last time it wasn't good. 
Um, and so anyway, we're, we're, uh, we, we know that about Zacchaeus. The other thing, you know, that you, we'll, we'll read it in a few verses, but the other thing we get to know about Zacchaeus is that generally he did not have a good reputation. He was known as a sinful man. That's kind of what most people thought about him. And so already he's got kind of a couple strikes where you're like, oh, this isn't probably going to go well. Like the rich young ruler kind of had this, at least seemed to have a good reputation and stuff. And that didn't, he, he kind of walked away. So we'll see about this Zacchaeus guy. Um, and so anyway, that's Zacchaeus, right? We've got some info about him. We also know he's a wee little man. Um, but, you know, that's, that's all right. Uh, and then there's Jesus. And I was just thinking about the contrast of these two characters. Because we get some information about Zacchaeus. And again, we've, this whole book has been about Jesus, right? So we've, we've been getting to know him. But this, this phrase, like, he was passing through Jericho. It seems so like, oh yeah, and he was just walking around and just happened to be there. But here's the thing, is that uh, when you compare Jesus and Zacchaeus, there is no comparison, is there? And even though Jesus is passing through Jericho, which is kind of like Zacchaeus' hometown, his home turf or whatever, Jesus definitely has the home field advantage. <laughs> I mean, he's been to Jericho before. In fact, thousands of years before, if you read in Joshua, Joshua is standing outside of Jericho as they're like moving into the promised land and he meets the commander of the armies of the Lord, Jesus in the Old Testament. Jesus has been to Jericho before. <laughs> And this is who's passing through. So this, I just, I just want us to feel some of this tension that's building. That, okay, there's this rich guy. Rich guys don't t tend to like Jesus a whole lot. So we'll see how this goes. And Jesus is, is God. So at the same time, all bets are off. And that's the thing that, again, like, you know, I've, I've, grown up in church. My dad was a youth pastor. And that's not to make me sound impressive because the more you get to know me, the least impressed you are with me. Um, just ask my wife. But, but the thing about Jesus is that as you read through the gospels, it's like, it's always, he's always doing the thing that you don't think he should do. It's like, wait, Jesus, why are you talking to that person like that? But then that person, you approach them that way. And how do you just always know, like they ask you this question, you know the exact right thing to say, or then they ask you another question and you're like, I'm not even gonna answer that. How do you, how do you know how to do that, Jesus? And so really what we're seeing here in a lot of ways, again, and we see it over and over and over and over again, but we see kind of heaven meeting earth. We see, and specifically in this story, this worldly money status and power that Zacchaeus has meets heavenly authority that Jesus just walks differently in the world than we do. And the world offers like a certain kind of authority and power and security, but all of that stuff is transient. And you know, I mean, you look at people who have made it to the, like, you know, whatever, like in the, the world tells us like money, fame, you know, relationships, whatever, all this stuff, like that's what's finally gonna make you feel okay. But then all the people that are in those places that you hope to be someday, they're like, ah, it stinks here too. But I guess we just should just keep trying the same stuff and hopefully, <laughs> see the world has that to offer. And Zacchaeus, I mean, he's a rich guy 
And for many of us, that is alluring. I mean, if I'm, if I'm honest, like I can, I can totally tend towards greed. I can fantasize about like, oh man, it would be so nice to just, you know, have whatever huge amount of money in my bank account. And man, I, that would take away so many worries and cares for my life. Really? Would it really? It's so transient. It comes and goes just as easily as you gain money, you can lose it. Your health, you can lose it. Your relationships, you can lose them. It's all, it's all transient. It's all temporary. But I love the, seeing the way that Jesus just lives and walks and exists in the world. Always confident, always sure, like knows exactly what he's supposed to do. He's never on his heels. He's always pursuing, always setting the tone. Always, you know, that's, that's who he is. Never caught off guard, never freaked out, never anxious, just confident. That's a very different experience than I generally have in life. And maybe you relate with me, but that's, that's who's walking through Jericho right now. So let's continue verses three and four. So Zacchaeus was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. So again, you know, it's the classic, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and it's not a good song. But, um, <laughs> but I love, and, and I think this, this right here, these couple verses, this is why this is like, one of the top 10 Sunday school stories. Because for an adult, we read that and we're like, that is ridiculous. Like that guy, you know, that is embarrassing. (laughs) Um, But for a kid, they hear that and they're like, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) Totally. Like I'd probably be in the tree anyway. So, (laughs) but we forget what it's like to be a kid, right? You kind of get, you hit like five feet plus and you're like, oh yeah, it's nice up here. Kids, it's like a jungle of legs <laughs> and you're like trying to dodge people's knees and you know, like you're pulling on somebody's pants because you think it's your mom or dad and it's not, you know, like that is the life of a child. So climbing the tree to get the, ve- it just makes sense. Like kids don't read the story and like, oh, that's so ridiculous. It's like, oh yeah, of course. It's just so childlike. It's so childlike. And again, uh, maybe 30 verses before, we read about Jesus interacting with kids. He says, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. So all of these things that we've just been reading about, God has inspired Luke to arrange these in such a way that these are kind of converging right now on this story. See a rich guy, but seems to be kind of childlike and I just wonder, like, what, I, I, and, and there, it had to be, like, there had to be this moment for Zacchaeus. And whether it's like he's trying to climb the tree and his shoe falls off and he has to bend down and put it back on. And, or he's like up in the tree and now this crowd is kind of forming around. And he's like, oh no, I did not think this through. What did I do? You know, I, I guarantee there's a moment where he's like, what am I doing? And the reality was that for Zacchaeus, there was something happening under the surface. (laughs) What was happening for Zacchaeus is that Jesus was drawing him. 
And it hap- it's happening for Zacchaeus in this story. It happens for me and for you. I'm guarant- I guarantee that you've experienced this in your life. And maybe some of you are experiencing right now, like experiencing it right now, being in church this morning where you're like, I don't like church. I don't think I like God maybe, or I for sure don't like the guy who's talking to me right now, but for some reason I am here, what am I doing? Jesus is drawing you. And this is just what he does. And, you know, we see, we get in, in this account here, we get a snapshot of one day in Zacchaeus's life. But we don't know what God's been doing up to this point. <laughs> I mean, think about yourself, right? You could, you're here right now, but man, there's a lot more to you than just the fact that you're here right now, right? There's a whole lifetime of experiences. So what's been going on in Zacchaeus's life? Maybe even just in recent days before this, maybe he's just had these sleepless nights. He just cannot shake this weird feeling he's been having where he's just been so anxious. And it's like, man, I used to just feel so comfortable and I felt like, you know what? I've got all this money, like anything ever comes up, I can just, you know, kind of buy my way out of any problem. And now all of a sudden I just feel sick. Or maybe he's experiencing some kind of grief. Like maybe he lost a close loved one and all of a sudden again, he's just feeling like, man, the money that I have could not stop that from happening. Maybe he's feeling like, you know, maybe he did lose a loved one and he's thinking about like what happens after, after I die and, I, and, I, and I've heard that I'm gonna have to stand before God and I don't know what I'm gonna say. We don't know. But God's certainly been directing things in his life because <laughs> that's what God does. He uses circumstances in our life in a precise and surgical kind of way to help us understand that we are not okay. And I think this is a great misconception that many people have. And, and, and again, I've felt this way. I'm sure you've felt this way or feel this way right now. But the, one of the big lingering questions for a lot of people is how can a loving God allow, and then you fill in the blank with hard stuff that's happened in your life, crazy stuff that happens around the world, just difficult, hard, painful things. How can a loving God and this stuff, I, I don't know. That's how we feel much of the time. And we get confused about God's goodness because it's like, if God was good, if God loved me, then wouldn't only good things happen to me? Only things that I like and enjoy and make me feel good. Well, you know, there's, there's people that have a condition that causes them to never feel physical pain. And those people tend to die young because they cannot tell that there is a problem. See, we don't like pain, it stinks. <laughs> it really does. Pain stinks. But pain is good if it lets us know that there's a problem. The way that scripture describes our situation is very different than how we sometimes describe our situation. Because I think how we often feel is, hey, God, I'm, I'm good. If you would just kind of honestly leave me alone and not shake my life up, then I would be fine. You know, just save me for my eternity and right now in life, leave me alone. I think that's how we feel often. But what scripture says is that we are not okay. And if God left us alone, 
we would not be okay. <laughs> that in fact, without him, we are dead in our sin. I don't know anybody who's ever seen a dead person be like, oh, they're okay. Yeah, that guy's okay. He's fine. He's like, really? He's been there for three days. Yeah, he's fine. He's okay. That's just, he, that's just what he does. <laughs> no, we're not okay. And in his sovereignty, God knows exactly how to surgically, like, and not just, oh, I'm just going to make all this bad stuff happen. So that surgically, precisely use pain in our lives to help us to know that something is not okay. And I guarantee that that is happening in Zacchaeus's life. I guarantee it because this is just what God does because he loves us that much. It's hard. It's hard. We have to wrestle with it. It's a hard thing to come to grips with, but it's true. And so this is, this is some of the background probably, I would guess, for Zacchaeus. Even before he climbs a tree, before he could even put words to it, he might be in that tree. And, and this is the beautiful thing. He just wants to see what Jesus looks like. He maybe doesn't know really anything about him other than he's heard some stuff. He hears that, hears that he can do miracles or whatever. And he's like, oh, I got to see what this guy looks like. He's coming through my town today. So he climbs a tree and he's like, this feels ridiculous. What am I doing? Well, let's continue. Verses five and six. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. So again, putting ourselves in the story, you think about Zacchaeus and this is like the called to the principal's office moment. Like Zacchaeus, please come down to the office. And everybody's like, oh, that's what just happened. And again, we're going to see like nobody has a high opinion of this dude. Here comes Jesus, this great rabbi, religious teacher, whatever they think about him. I'm like, ooh, should have done something different, Zacchaeus, because now you're going to get it. And all us righteous people in the crowd are going to watch. This is going to be awesome. But that's not what Jesus does. It's like, Zacchaeus, come down. I'm in Jericho to hang out with you. And so you got to know that Zacchaeus is like, okay. Like he's, I mean, and it says, he's like joyfully like, that is way better than I expected. <laughs> and I love this about Jesus. Is that as he's passing by, Zacchaeus is like, I just want to be a passive observer and see what this guy looks like. Jesus approaches him and says, actually, I know your name. And again, like, what is Zacchaeus thinking? Like, has my, is my reputation that bad that Jesus came into town, he's passing through and he's already heard about what, what a rotten dude I am. And so people like have just been like, hey, Jesus, I know you're just passing through, but real quick, can you just lecture our, this dude, Zacchaeus, who just, a, he's a total tool and we just want him to know that. And so could you do like, I mean, Jesus wasn't stalking him on Facebook. He knows his name. And he, in fact, he knows everything about him. Jesus was the one that knit him together. Right? He knows everything about him. He knows Zacchaeus better than Zacchaeus knows Zacchaeus. And here's the thing about us is that like, I think we often have this mindset with Jesus that like, yeah, I know Jesus loves me, but he needs a little bit more information. 
Jesus, I'm thankful that you offer me forgiveness, but I'm going to need to let you know what you're getting into because I've got some messy stuff. And I can't even really look at myself. In fact, I've got a lot of things I do to distract myself from thinking about it. So I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't blame you if you feel the same way, Jesus. As if he doesn't know that and so much more. I mean, man, if I think I'm a mess, Jesus knows I'm more of a mess than that. <laughs> I have maybe a couple areas in my life that I kind of measure like, how good am I doing? You know, did I sin in these specific ways? Okay, then I think I'm doing pretty good. Jesus is like, well, <laughs> you know, I also saw all the other stuff you did that was sinful. <laughs> but I think Zacchaeus didn't know something that we often forget is that Jesus just loves to be with us. Did you know that? He loves to be with us. He loves it. It's not an obligation for him. It's not like, oh, all right, it's six o'clock. I got to go hang out with this guy. No, he loves it. He's like, Zacchaeus, I, I'm here. So like, I have to go to your house. That's, I'm, that's why I'm here. <laughs> I want to spend time with you. And in John 17, Jesus is praying and it's, you know, the end of the, the book of John is this really like intense and poignant moment where it's like the last couple days of Jesus's life leading to the cross. And so he's praying and he's talking to the father and he's saying, God, I'm praying for my, he's pray, he prays for his disciples. And then he says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their ministry. And this is what Jesus prays. He says, Father, I desire that they also literally praying for us believers whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Isn't that crazy that at the end of his life, that's what he was concerned about. That that prayer in John, it's all about father, would they become one just as you and I are one? And we would all be one together and they would be with me. And I mean, that's what he says to his disciples. He's like, hey, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that you can be with me where I am. See, Jesus is all about this, uh, all about bringing us into relationship with him. Because how, how this interaction could have gone is just like, hey, Zacchaeus. And everybody goes, oh, and he's like, hey, repent and believe in me. See you later. It could have been like that, right? And absolutely, Jesus wants us to repent of our sin and believe in him. But he's like, and I want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. In fact, let's do that first. And then Jesus is pretty sure that his kindness will lead us to repentance. Verse seven, and when they saw it, the crowd, they all grumbled. So it's pretty strong consensus about Zacchaeus. <laughs> He's gone in to be with the guest of a man who's a sinner. And man, they're just not, and, and like, it's just not what they expected. 
They thought Jesus was going to pass through. It honestly would have been better if he just passed through and didn't hang out with anybody in their estimation, I think. But they're like, oh, you picked that guy? He's, the, he's literally the worst guy in town. We were just talking about it last night at my house. We're like, hey, who's the worst guy in town? Zacchaeus. Yeah, Zacchaeus. Totally. It's totally Zacchaeus. And he's the guy you're going to go spend the day with. Blah, whatever grumbling sounds like. It's just such a lame attitude. And unfortunately, I know me, and if you're like me, I often relate to the grumbly people in the stories. <laughs> because I certainly have people that just without even thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, God, just don't. Don't even with those people. They're bad. They're gross. They're evil. They have different opinions than me even. <laughs> it's really bad. God, you don't even know. You don't want to spend time with them. And it's just like, it's like Jonah who went and God sent, I mean, he literally had to like kidnap Jonah with a fish and send him to Nineveh to like do his job and preach. And he just goes around and gives the lamest, like, God's gonna destroy you unless you repent. Okay, see you later. He literally did that, right? And then he walks and gets a good vantage point and then waits to watch the fireworks. But the people repented. <laughs> they turned to God. And so Jonah's there and he has this hilarious prayer moment where <laughs> he's like, oh God, I knew you were so patient. I knew you were going to be abounding in steadfast love. Ah, oh, it's so annoying. <laughs> but it's true. We get annoyed when Jesus loves people that we don't. Because you know, if we're being honest, there's people that don't deserve it. <laughs> Not me, of course, <laughs> because, you know, I kind of have some righteousness of my own. I think I brought something to the table. <laughs> it's like, no, man, we cannot think that way, people. Man, and if there is anybody, I mean, for me or for you, if there's anybody that I think is, is beyond saving, if there's anybody that I think that God should withhold his mercy from, man, I'm the one who needs mercy. Because I did not bring anything to the table. Yet sometimes it's easy for us to think like, well, you know, yeah, totally. I totally needed, needed Jesus to save me. Like I couldn't do it on my own. But like I was a little bit easier to save. Because <laughs> I'm like still like pretty good. Like, yes, I have some sins, but not like really bad ones. So like Jesus only had to do like 50% forgiveness power on me, but that other person, you know, they need 100% forgiveness power. And I know he can do it, but I don't know, maybe he shouldn't even bother. And man, we need to recognize that we come lame. Like our legs don't work and needy, poor, naked, starving, blind, deaf. 
dead. (laughs) That's how we come. We're literally carried to the table so that we can experience relationship with Jesus. What do we bring to the table? Nothing. Not even our own breath. (laughs) Not even our own life. We don't bring it. We're carried. We have no room to judge who gets to come or not. We rejoice that Jesus would save anyone. We rejoice that we even get to hear the message of the good news. And that we could be a part of it for other people. So, um, as we think about <clears throat> just the dynamic of what Jesus called us to, I, I just want to share this. And, and again, you know, this is just uh, one, one thing that I love about uh, what we do here. It's like, man, the, you know, we definitely have, you know, pastors and people on the stage and stuff, but man, we're so not impressive. We are all, you know, following Jesus together, right? And, and so I, I just, I, I shared this in first service and I think I should share it again. But when I came here as a, as a college student, a freshman, um, I wouldn't say this, but on, in part of myself, I thought like, I'm kind of God's gift to every church that I go to. (laughs) (laughs) Like I can lead worship and I can do this stuff. And it's kind of, it's kind of impressive. And I know the Bible pretty well. And, you know, and I, I'm sure I gave up that vibe. I wasn't trying to because I, I, you know, at the same time, I was also around enough people who were humble to know that like you should at least look that way. Um, And at the same time, I had this deep shame inside because I was like horribly addicted to pornography and I didn't want anybody to know. And like all the way through high school, I was going to all these conferences and stuff with my youth group. And every time it was like the same prayers, like, God, would you just take this away, but secretly (laughs) so that I don't have to tell anybody. And that was like my biggest issue. And it was, uh, that was like all I was focused on. And so when I came to school here, I was kind of at the point where it's like, man, I've been praying about this for a long time. Nothing seems to be changing. This is probably just going to be the rest of my life. And, you know, whatever. And so I was in a worship time at the, at, uh, the winter conference that our college ministry here uh, was doing that year. And in an extended worship time, everybody else was kind of worshiping. And, um, and I was, to be honest, kind of bored. <laughs> but I had my hands up because other people did. And I just like, you know, it's like I'm meeting new people. It's like, I want them to think I'm a good Christian, you know. Um, you know, I want them to know I'm a good Christian because <laughs> I am. Um, and uh, anyway, so this whole time I was like, man, God, would you work on this one area of like my sexual purity? Would you change that? And in that moment, as, as we're singing together, I felt the Lord in not an audible voice, but just a thought in my head, just felt him say, what are you doing? I'm like, Well, I'm worshiping. <laughs> He's like, no, sit down and actually worship me. So I sat down in my seat and I didn't sing another word. I just sat there with my head in my hands like this and the Holy Spirit was just ministering to my heart. And the thing that he was dealing with was my pride issue, which I still am working on by the way. (laughs) But in that moment, 
I thought this specific sin issue was my biggest problem. And God's like, no, it's your self-righteousness. It's that you think that you have to be impressive to me and to other people. And God's like, I see right through that. I don't need anything from you. In fact, you just sit down. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Just sit down. And when we recognize who Jesus is, I mean, that's, that's what we do. We just say, all right, I'm coming needy to you, Lord. And thankfully since then, I mean, that, that moment began a trajectory of me then finally being able to confess my sin to some people and start to experience some healing and restoration and, 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 and freedom and healing in that area of my life. But it had to start with what Jesus wanted to start with. And I had to recognize that I didn't bring anything to the table. And honestly, the thing that started to change the tide the most in my life, as far as in the area of like habitual addictive sin, is recognizing how much Jesus loves me even when I'm sinning. <laughs> that his Holy Spirit doesn't leave when I sin and then wait, like, is the coast clear now? Are you done? Okay, I'm coming back. He doesn't do that. He loves to be with us. So verse eight, Zacchaeus stood, so they're in Zacchaeus' house. He stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. So again, this is a very different interaction if we think about the rich young ruler, right? I, I get the sense that when he came to Jesus, and again, we have to guess at what these guys' motivations were, but if, if it was like me, okay, this is an opportunity for me to look good. It's like, Jesus, I've obeyed all the commandments my whole life. So what else do I have to do? Almost expecting Jesus to say, actually, you're good. Hey, everybody, look at this guy. Be like him. That's not what he hears, is it? He's like, Jesus is like, oh, you've obeyed all of them. <laughs> not really, but okay, good job. All right, then the next thing is give all that you have to the poor. And the guy went away sad. Jesus is hanging out with Zacchaeus who's already taken this childlike stance with Jesus, just climbing a tree, right? And Jesus doesn't seem to even have to ask. Zacchaeus is like, hey, half of everything I have, I just don't want anymore. It's not mine. And anything else that I do have, if I've, if I've wronged anybody, I'm gonna pay it back four times the amount. And there's this thing about when we are with Jesus, he is so important that, everything else doesn't even compare. Nothing else matters compared to how important Jesus is. And it's not like I even have to work it up. I certainly have to be like, all right, Jesus, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I do, I bend my will to him. And I say, all right, Jesus, I agree with you. You are the most important person. And so I say yes to you. But it's like, I'm not like, all right, this is probably gonna make me throw up, but I'm gonna give away my money. Man, money is close to our heart, isn't it? Because it directly relates it to, to our control over our lives, our comfort, our ability to get what we, what we want and what we need. It's scary. It's scary to give up your money. It is. But Zacchaeus is just like happy about it. He's like, I don't need this stuff. Get it out of here. What a 180, because this is a guy who has literally oriented his life around accumulating wealth. 
Because you could be, become super wealthy as a tax collector, but you're essentially cutting off all your human relationships because everybody's going to hate you. That's what he did. And now he's like, hey, this thing that I've, I've, I've aimed my entire life at accumulating this stuff, I don't even care anymore. I just, I just want it to make God happy. <laughs> I want to do the right thing. Not because anybody was twisting his arm, but because he understood who Jesus was. And again, I don't know what kind of conversations they were having in, in the midst of this, but what a change, right? So let's wrap it up. Verses 9 and 10. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. There's a lot of things that we would love for Jesus to prioritize. In fact, I've got a lot of opinions and a lot of ideas that I think he should care about. (laughs) Jesus says, this is the one thing that matters most to me. This is why I came so that dead people could be alive. So that people who would spend eternity in hell because they hate me and are my enemies, I'm going to love them with such a kindness that they will repent and come back and spend eternity with me. I don't know about you guys, but there's not a lot of people that I wanna spend more than a couple hours with. Jesus wants to spend eternity with us Incredible, incredible love. And so just like with Zacchaeus, I'm gonna invite the band to come up, but just like with Zacchaeus, I mean, Jesus, I guarantee it, he is pursuing you today. He is. And there's stuff going on in your life that has a big question mark right now, like why is this happening? And I can't answer some of the details or, you know, why things are exactly turned out the way they have or, I can't answer some of the details, but what I do know is that Jesus is always doing the things that will help you to see him more clearly. He's always doing the things that will draw your heart to him. That's what he's doing. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus, I I promise you this morning, there's an invitation available to you. He invites you to give him your life. And if you've already given him your life, He's doing the same thing. He's like, hey, you know that area of your life? Yeah, I want that too. That control that you've tried to take back, why don't you give it back to me? He's always drawing us, always pursuing us. So this morning, I think the invitation to every single one of us, whether we've put our lives in in our faith in Christ or not yet, is he's saying, come. Come by without having any money. (laughs) I know you don't bring anything to the table, but I've got water that you can drink and never thirst again. I've got bread that you can eat and you will never feel hungry again because you can find your satisfaction in Jesus. (laughs) So Jesus, we pray this morning that we would do that. Then as we sing this last song, that we would respond to you and um, that we would just put you in your rightful place as God as the only one that can satisfy, the only one that can resurrect. We ask that you would do that in Jesus' name, amen.